Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda, and this is Classroom Talk. Hello! My goodness, it has been like two months since my last episode. (laughs) I guess life just really got busy and I really lost track of time. Well, how's everyone doing? I know this year has been so insane. I've been feeling super anxious and overwhelmed with work and my home life. So, you know, my mantra typically has been, whatever's going on now is temporary, and I always seem to get through it, everything, and I'm okay. So I'll get through this as well. Okay, well, thank you so much for tuning in again. The purpose of this podcast is to share my teaching experiences and unique situations that have happened in my classroom. I also want to collaborate with my listeners. If you have a case study you would like to tell me about, send it through my teacher Instagram page. That is Miss underscore Frenchie 12. M-I-S-S underscore F-R-E-N-C-H-Y 1-2. You guys, I almost spelled my last name wrong. <laughs> Dear. Um, it also helped me to hear any feedback you have for me or thoughts you might have on any of the topics. If you have any extra ideas, I would love to shout you out and share them on my next episodes. So please just get in touch with me. Let me know if you have a case study you want me to share and give ideas on. Give me any ideas you have about past case studies or just give me some feedback. Um, let me know what you want to hear. I just want to give you guys some tools and some tips to help make your classroom teaching just a little bit easier. Alrighty, let's do this. All case studies discussed on Classroom Talk are based on true events. It is important to note that all names have been changed and personal information has been left out. It is my responsibility to keep the identities and the personal information of mine and your students confidential. This case study is a little different than usual. It's not about any particular student, but more about a very relevant situation that has rocked schools across the world. You guessed it. This time, we are talking about teaching and learning in a pandemic. Some of you may be teaching in your classes in person through masks and plastic dividers. Some teachers are instructing their classes 100% online while their students are at home with different environments and situations to handle. Some teachers are having to teach using both of these models, either simultaneously throughout the day or switching off in-person and online days. Teachers are feeling the pressure of giving their students a good education with all of these new and kind of terrifying circumstances. Students are feeling the pressure of putting their energy into learning while juggling their own personal activities and home lives. Both groups are struggling to tend to their mental health during all of this. A classroom is a diverse environment that needs tending to. You have students with unique needs that need their individual accommodations and modifications met. You have students that need enrichment to challenge their brains. You have students that Um, have varying levels of support at home. So maybe they're the only person at home during the day and they have no support. Maybe their parents are working hard and they're unable to help them with their homework. Maybe their parents are there with them all day long and they're able to help them. 
Um, all students are different and all home life is different. Students could be taking care of siblings, internet is spotty, and the list can go on and on and on with these challenges of teaching and learning during a pandemic. As a teacher, you are stressing. How can you support your students' mental health and education while showing growth in your data and prepping for upcoming state testing? What are we supposed to do? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I have been teaching online, in person, um, shut down with a day's notice since um, all of this started happening in March. But I have realized the first thing that you have to do as the teacher, you need to take care of yourself. You can't pour from an empty bucket. You need to put the work away at the end of the day and take time to do what makes you happy. Do your hobbies, have a healthy meal, and take care of yourself. Take some time. When my contract hours end, I put my work away and I immediately head to the gym. Moving my body every day keeps me healthy, energetic, and allows me to relieve my stress. Take care of yourself so you can really show up for your students. There's no way that you would be able to keep running on empty if you're not stopping at the end of your contract hours and just being you and just being a human. Another thing that I've really learned that families and guardians and students, adults at their houses, they're your ally now more than ever. You need to make sure that you're working with your students' families as a team. You guys are a team working together for the greater good of this student, um, especially if your learning is occurring in the student's home. So if you're online, um, you have to have constant communication with their parents, families, older siblings, whoever is there with the student. So here's how I've been working with my students' families. Um, I just have to kind of figure out which mode works for which family. And after a few times of communication, you, you kind of figure it out. So the first one is email, of course. I love using my email. It gives me time to thoughtfully um, type up what I am thinking um, without having to think on the fly, like using a telephone. I, when I'm working from home, I've been using Google Voice. My school district is a Google Suite school district, which is really nice because that opens up so many tools for us. So I've been using Google Voice since I don't have my classroom phone here with me at home. What it does is it generates a phone number for you and you can find one that's in your same area code. So it doesn't look like some rando person from a different state is calling um, your students' families. And then I've been using that for phone calls and texts. Some parents really like texting me rather than emailing or talking to me in person. And I find it's really easy to reach them. Or if I need some, to ask them a quick question, they can, I can just text them and they'll respond quickly. I've also used the Remind app in Class Dojo um, just solely for the communication piece. A lot of parents like to be connected in that way too. Um, along with communicating with parents and families, it's really important, especially if you're online, to make sure that you have open communication with your students. And when we first shut down in March, I didn't have a warning. I went on spring break and then during spring break, I found out, hey, we're shutting down. We're going to be going online for the last quarter. I had no way of telling my students the plan, what times we were going to be meeting, 
how we were going to be meeting, what was going to be expected. So I had to quickly get in contact with them, which was really hard because I work with elementary age students. So the best ways of communication for me are obviously during our live Google Meet sessions, um, making sure that I have all of my info prepared and I can tell them during that time, and then they can have questions on whatever I presented to them in real time. So obviously that's the best way to communicate with them. But you know, there are those students that are unable to hop on those Google Meets, or they forgot, or their internet didn't work and something cut out. So I also use Google Hangouts, and that's just like a chat feature, just like um, Facebook Messenger, just through Google. So I can send them a quick message through Google Hangouts. I often post announcements and assignments in my Google Classroom with links to YouTube videos or to any videos I've made. And I know that Google Classroom is kind of like our hub of where the students get their information. So if I put it on there, I know that they'll see it. I also use Google Voice with my students. Some of them have cell phones and I got permission with their parents to text them, like if they were late to a live, I'll send them a text, hey, hop on to our Google Meet so we can get going in class. They're like, oh yeah, and they'll get jump on. Um, any information I give, I make sure I write it out and send it to them, as long as telling it to them verbally so they have something to refer to later. So if I'm giving a new assignment, I'll explain it in our live Google Meets, but I'll also post the instructions and all of my expectations with the assignment on my Google Classroom. So here are some tools that I've been using and loving, and I would love to hear all of the tools that you have been using and loving during these weird teaching times. So if you have more ideas, more tools, more tech pieces that you wanna share, please message them to me on my teacher Instagram, miss underscore Frenchie 12. So the biggest tool that I've used and I've loved are my teacher friends. What better resource than the teachers that are working with you and around you? I have teacher friends in my district. Um, I also have teacher friends in my old school district. And I like to check in with them periodically if I'm having an issue. Hey, I need to work on this goal with a student. What have you been doing for that? And then you get some ideas and you can collaborate together. So work with your teammates. Don't forget, they're there for you, even if you guys are working at different locations. Another great tool that I love is using teacher groups on social media. So Facebook has a ton of teacher groups to join. I'm in a teaching with tech group right now and then a special education teacher group. And anytime I have questions, I can hop on, ask a question in the group, and people are more than willing to help. Sometimes people will post on their free resources that they have or uh, epiphany moments that they've had and that they wanted to share um, it's really, they're just really good communities. Another great teacher community, and I know some people are so opposed to this, but I love it, are the teachers on TikTok. TikTok is newer, I would say. And um, before the pandemic, a lot of adults were not on there. But since things shut down, a lot of adults have joined. And I found a really, really good TikTok teacher community. So I, I enjoy being on there. I learn a lot from those teachers. I collaborate with them and I just feel comfortable with them. I feel like we're all in this together. So it's just another place to collaborate. Another awesome tool that I've been using is Quizlet. 
Um, Quizlet is free. I made my own account through my Google, but you can make a free teacher account. They have paid accounts, but I'm, I don't have enough money for that. Students don't have to have an account to use it. I have just been using it for a study tool. So for the vocab words for the week, I'll create a set of vocab cards and share the link with my students. The app or Quizlet, the website, has the text-to-speech feature. So if there's a new vocab word that my students don't know, they can listen to the pronunciation of the word and the pronunciation of the definition, and it can help them understand the words. It also has study games that you don't even have to log in to play. So you can um, play some vocab matching games and stuff like that. And my students have said that Quizlet has been really fun for them. And it's just been a good way for them to study since we're not in person right now. Another great tool is Quizzes. And that's similar to Kahoot, which I know like everyone knows what Kahoot is. But I prefer Quizzes. So that's another one that's free. The teacher needs to make an account, but the students don't have to have an account to play. Um, unlike Kahoot, Quizzes allows the students to work at their own pace. So it's still like a gamified quiz or practice, but it's not all at one pace like Kahoot is. Students can work through questions on their own, and they can finish at different times, but they still have like the scoreboard if you enable that. They have uploaded memes in there, which the students think are really funny. There's music you can put with it. You can use quizzes for a pretest. You can use it for concept practice. It can be a formative assessment, or it can also be used as a formal summative assessment. And it'll generate the data for the teacher after all the students have finished. You'll be able to see where the students got questions wrong, It'll give you percentages for this amount of the class got this concept right and this amount got this concept wrong. And you can use it. You can use the data in there if you're using it as a quiz and put it in the gradebook as a test score. It's just another way of doing it. Another great tool I, that I love is Google Forms if you're a Google school. I use it for mental health check-ins each day. I use it to give a quiz sometimes if a quiz is multiple choice, which I typically don't do, but sometimes I just need a quick check. Um, you can have it self-grade, so you don't even have to grade it. I use um, Google Forms to poll my students if we're trying to figure out what activity we want to do the next day. I'll give them a poll question and they can choose an option. And then we can look at the data together and say, hey, 55% of the students voted for this, so we're going to do this one first. And then it gives the students a sense of they're important to our class and they're also making decisions. What else? I create tests on Google Forms sometimes. And you can use Google Forms to differentiate information. So if you're going to be creating a test on one content area, you could make different levels of the test to test your different levels of students. Um, you know, you have your students with special needs might need one test. Um, students with higher learning needs might have a different test, but it could all test on the same subject. And Google Forms makes it super easy to create those things. I also love Google Forms to make um, digital breakout rooms. 
The students think that these are so fun. So here's an example of one that I've made. I made a Halloween-themed one, and the whole basis of it was, you are going into this haunted house, and you need to work your way out. So, like, the first question I gave, um, it was, like, a basis of, like, you're in the bat room, and to get these bats to go away, you need to unlock this door so they can fly out to their food. Find the code to unlock this door. And there were math problems that were, had to do with the concept that we were learning. So the students had to solve those math problems and then type in the correct answers to unlock the code so the bats could fly out the room. And then only if the students gave the right answer, they were able to move on. If they gave the wrong answer, it wouldn't let them click to the next question. And they had to keep trying until they got it right. So like each question was a different room in the haunted house and they had different tasks to complete to get out of the haunted house. So I think I did that one with dividing long division. So my students practiced their long division, but they also thought it was fun because I gave it this like story component and they had to break out and they could time themselves if they wanted to, or they could not time themselves if that stressed them out. So digital breakout rooms are super fun. I know if you look them up on Teachers Pay Teachers, there's a lot that you could buy. There might be some free ones. Um, I googled it one time and I found a couple free ones, but they were kind of confusing. I just found it easier to make them relevant to myself to make it on my own. Uh, what else? Okay, moving on. The next tool that I've been loving is Jamboard, and that was recently um, updated to my Google account. It's basically an online whiteboard. So I can open up an, a blank Jamboard and I can draw on it. I can add a sticky note and type a note on there. I can share that with my students' accounts. I can put it up on my screen during our live Google Meets to work out problems. Um, I have created math formative assessments for my students and shared it with all of them. And then they've gone into the Jamboard documents and answered them for me. So I got some data. Uh, it's been fun and I know that there's a lot more you could do with it. It's just brand new to me. But that's Jamboard and Google. Another tool I've been loving is Screencastify. I am using the free version right now. I know there is a paid version, which I thought about doing, but I don't know if I want to commit that much. But I've been using it to create instructional videos for my students. So when we first went online, our kids didn't know how to get into their Google Classroom. They didn't know how to log on to their Google Meets they didn't know the importance of um, organizing their Google Drive. So I made videos showing my students how to do each thing and explaining the importance of those. I also made some videos summing up some important math and reading concepts that we had gone over just in case uh, they forgot what we learned in our live Google Meets and they needed to go back and have a refresher. They could go look at my video that I made through Screencastify and um, refresh their brains. Of course, I love Google Docs. I can use it to create my online assignments for my students and directly post it on my Google Classroom. But I also like the Google Docs and um, Google Slides or Google Sheets, whatever is more appropriate for the assignment, to promote collaboration between my students. So typically in the school year, we would be doing group work and collaborating together and working on assignments. 
But when we are teaching in a pandemic, students can't be close to each other. They're online. Um, we're teaching through little boxed off areas. There's really no group work. So I set up some rules and expectations and I created groups for assignments and the students would collaborate on one Google Doc together to create something together. I just think that the biggest thing is making sure I was monitoring that because bullying can happen. Uh, it didn't happen for me, but I know that it definitely can happen. It just, I felt so bummed out having the students so secluded and isolated. I thought we need to collaborate more. Let's do this through my Google tools. And then, of course, the last tool that I could think of right now that I've been loving is just simple whiteboard practice. Whether you're in person or you're online, your students can still do the whiteboard checks. Um, if you've just learned a math concept, do some math problems on your little whiteboards and have them show it on the screen or hold it up. Then you can get a quick check of where your students are. And what kid doesn't love doing work on a whiteboard? That's just like a bonus. I don't know why they get so excited, but it's so much more fun doing whiteboard work than doing practice on paper with pencil. So don't forget, use those basic tools that we have. You just have to tweak it a little bit. Um, yeah. So those are the tools that I've been loving so far. Please share more tools that you have. And I know there's like a ton more. So as they come in, I'll definitely shout people out and share them. Next, I wanted to talk about just some things to remember while you're teaching during a pandemic and your students are learning during this craziness. Don't forget that relationships and rapport are the most important right now. Yes, education is important, but learning's not going to happen if you don't have that strong bond and relationship with your students and their families. Everyone needs to be given grace right now. You need to give your students some grace. You need to give their families some grace. And they need to reciprocate. Oof. Reciprocate. Excuse me there. Forgot how to talk. They need to reciprocate and give you some grace too. We're all learning how to handle ourselves during these times and how to adjust. So give each other grace. A student turns something in super late. Give them some grace. Grade it and put the grade in the grade book. No big deal. Don't forget to make your expectations very clear and present them in multiple ways. Like I had said, put them, um, upload them online verbally, use a video, type out a document with your expectations. Make sure that there's different ways that students can access the information in case they've forgotten. Make sure that you're being very flexible with your students and their families. I've had some students that aren't able to join my live Google Meets because of family issues, and that's just, there's nothing I can do to help that. So give them some grace, be flexible with them, and work, work with them so that student can still learn. Please don't forget that you're doing a good job. You may not feel like you're doing enough, you may not feel like you're even teaching, but I know that you are, you're doing a good job. I'm doing a good job. Things are crazy, but I'm trying, and just by listening to this podcast shows that you're trying to and you want to improve yourself. Also, don't forget that the entire world is going through this pandemic. The entire world went through school closures and all of this craziness. So you're not alone. We're not alone. Um, don't say to yourself that your students are behind. They are living in a pandemic 
and the priorities just had to shift for a little bit. Typically, we would be at school for, what, eight hours a day? Or six, I don't know, was that? Sometimes it feels like a long time. <laughs> um, typically, the students would be at school for a majority of their weekday, and then they would go home. But now, if they're at home some days, and they're at school some days, or they're at home all the time, their priorities had to shift into survival mode. They had to worry about getting food. They had to worry about, oh, our wi is not working. Oh, I'm too embarrassed to go online because my house isn't as nice as this student's house. So priorities had to shift, and that's okay. They'll shift back one day, but your students are not behind. And lastly, just breathe and go one day at a time. I definitely struggle with looking at things too far in advance. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do for state testing? How are we going to do this standardized test? What if my students don't show growth here? Nope, I can't do that. You can't do that. Just take it one day at a time. Today was a good day. We were able to do this. We were not able to do this. Here's how I'll improve for tomorrow. End of story. Are you ready for it? It's this week's teacher hot take. This is a new segment on the podcast. Each episode, I will share a teacher hot take. That is a controversial teacher topic, in my opinion. You can share your thoughts on my hot takes, or you can share your own teacher hot takes on my teacher Instagram. Here we go, this week's teacher hot take. Clip charts are a form of public humiliation and are detrimental to students' self-esteem. Thank you. That is this week's teacher hot take. Okie dokie, that is all for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. I hope that you continue listening. Please, please, please follow my teacher Instagram account, Miss underscore Frenchie 12, M-I-S-S underscore F-R-E-N-C-H-Y 1-2. On there, you can see my posts. You can message me your own case studies. You can message me your thoughts and opinions on my case studies. You can message me with ideas for helping other case studies that I've previously done. You can share your opinion on my teacher hot take. You can share your own teacher hot take. Really, I just want to collaborate and work with you and build an awesome teacher community. Thank you so much again, and I hope to see you next time.